Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hybrid Calisthenics Podcast, also known as Coffee with Hampton sometimes. I haven't really decided. Also known as Tea with Hampton today because today I've is got tea. Tea. Yeah, tea. Yeah, tea. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you located, Adam? Uh, I'm in Oxfordshire in England. You know, not to stereotype, but this is the perfect time for a change to tea with Hampton. I do normally drink coffee, but it is 10 past <laughs> eight in the evening. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Thank you for, for being here today, Adam. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. And it's, that's a, a good way to start, I think, is our coffee drinking habits, as if, if, we're, if we're both uh, coffee fans. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're aware of this because I haven't talked about it that much, but I actually don't drink coffee every day. I, had, I do this thing that I, I don't think I started it, but I came up with it by myself, where I drink coffee every other day uh, because I don't drink it for energy. I, I naturally have a decent amount of energy even without coffee but i drink coffee every other day because i feel like that day in between gives me some time off to rest and, and heal from the coffee i guess so i don't become reliant on it because there was a time when i got up to two or three cups which is nothing compared to some people who drink two or three pots but sure. i drank two or three cups a day and i needed a cup just to wake up and i was like well what's the point of this you know like there's no point in having coffee anymore it's, it's just i needed to get to normal you know to feel yeah. normal again so i was like well I don't want that. So why don't I scale it back to where it's a special thing? And I've actually used it as a like creative vessel to where I feel more creative and I come up with ideas when I have that coffee day, because every time is like the first time I drink coffee. That's interesting. You know, technically you would think that coffee would reduce creativity because it would increase adrenaline and things. However, I probably agree with you that I tend to do my better work when I'm, I think there's, you can be too relaxed, can't you? So waking up a little bit helps you to at least bring those thoughts together into some kind of cohesive narrative or whatever. But I think I, I could probably benefit from doing what you do because I don't take it for energy either, but it's just like this routine that right, I look right. forward to a little bit too much, I think. Especially you were talking just now as a new parent, I kind of like in a few hours I'll have breakfast and that means I can have my first coffee and then in a few more hours I'll be sat down at work and that means I can have my second coffee and I'm like <laughs> literally like counting down. It's like a ritual, isn't it, that lets you go... Ah, uh, <laughs> I'm relaxed now. I've got my hot drink. I kind of have that. I kind of have that, but I have it just like with longer breaks in between. Like I get excited on days off. Like I drink a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and I get excited every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday because I'm like, I'm only one yeah. day away. Coffee. <laughs> Tomorrow's coffee day. <laughs> Pleasure <laughs> delay. That's hard to think about it, isn't it? It'll yeah, taste even sweeter when you do get it. Yeah, try it. Try it. Try it for a week. And then if you can survive that, I, I think you will like it. I, I think no, I will try it. You'll see it. You'll see. Uh, before we get too, far, too much into it, congratulations, <laughs> I want to say, on, on the stream, on your new baby. It's, it's a big deal. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, um, it's very exciting. Also very tiring. <laughs> <laughs> so just for our audience today, we're going to talk about some training. Uh, Adam is known as the Bioneer on the internet. I think most primarily on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's by far my biggest platform, yeah. Yeah, been doing stuff for a while. If you're not familiar with this man's work, uh, you should get familiar with it because it's been around for a while. And I feel like, let me know in the comments if you if you read this. I feel like it's been in it's been permeated into the public fitness community, especially online, for quite some time now. Because even when I was like 16, 17, I was telling Adam this. People were talking about his content back then. You know, and Adam said, well, you know, it's only really been a few years since I, I grew. And I'm just like, but people have been talking about you for for me for years now. So it's just like, if you know his content, 
and you're like, oh yeah, I know Adam. I like the guy. I love the guy. I hear that all the time. I, I love the guy. I was like, go on his channel and click subscribe so he knows how you love him. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just got a lot of like shadow viewers or something. <laughs> I, you have a lot of shadow viewers because I think they like you. They've been talking about you. They talk, they're like, hey, do you know about you? I'm like, yeah, I know him. And like, oh yeah, I love the guy. And they, I hear that all the time. And I'm like, well, you should go, if you really love him, you should go on his channel. And it's like, I also have really vocal um, subscribers, like the community around my video. I've been the luckiest guy because they are the nicest, like supportive to a fault, which I know is not always the case on YouTube, especially having worked on some other channels in the past. Like my, I got lucky, like they're the nicest right. bunch and they shout out and they petition for people to, to have me on their channels and things, which is, you know, massively appreciated. Like they kind of do my marketing for me sometimes. <laughs> I think I'm blessed in the same way in that we have a very nice community, especially in fitness, which mm. I think you yeah. ask the average person, a lot of them have said the fitness community is, in their words, toxic. You know, it's just so like divisive. Or into yeah. it. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think you attracted like a more supportive, wholesome community? Do you think it's, I think it's you or the topics we talk about? In your case, I think you come across as a particularly welcoming I think that's why you have a lot of beginners just because you're like this, you're clearly a friendly guy who just wants to help, which makes a massive difference as opposed to someone like, you know, look at me, I'm doing this. Why aren't you doing this too kind of thing? And that makes a big right. difference for my, for me, I think it's partly because I'm like, I'm not really focused on one modality or whatever, because I'm not hardline on anything. I tend to be like, you can do this or you could do this. So that way I'm a fence sitter, but it doesn't offend anybody. But that's also like genuinely my stance on things is that it's not black and white. Like you get a lot of people who who only power lift or a lot of people who only do calisthenics or a lot of people who only run. And then, you know, they don't like, you know, anyone who's from the other camp, you know, CrossFitters are bad or CrossFitters are, are the only way. Whereas if you just say like all of them have got some merits and you can like benefit from mixing all these things, then I also, not only do I genuinely believe that's the case, but it also means hopefully all those people can watch and none of them will be offended because I'm not saying any of their ways are bad. I'm saying like, check out this way as well because you can you know, you can benefit from that. There are some people who don't like that stance because some people are like so dedicated to their craft that they really don't like to hear that there's other options, but then they just don't watch my channel because it doesn't appeal to them. So <laughs> problem solved well, there. Yeah, true, true. I mean, you know, people, when they describe me, they, they say, oh yeah, people, people like your content. I'm like, yeah. If you read that, because people who don't usually just aren't, aren't on there. And yeah, I think your way of saying that is, you know, while some people may agree or disagree with it, it's probably more natural. I think that's why there's the appeal of it is that there's not one modality, by the way, mixture hybrid, you know, that's yes, it's, yeah. the, it's hybrid training. Yeah. That, that's why yeah. it's one of the reasons why it's called hybrid calisthenics. It's a really cool name as well. Right. Why? Well, the other reason is because I wanted a URL that wasn't already taken. So <laughs> yeah, it does limit your options somewhat. <laughs> right. Right. So um, this mixture of training, it seems to appeal to the masses more because the idea of being dogmatic towards one religion, one fitness religion might seem a little bit counterintuitive, even if there is one that encompasses all of everything. It doesn't seem to work for everyone. And I think yeah. it's a good way to introduce people to this. If someone isn't quite familiar with your work, what is your training philosophy? How do you train? You mix a lot of things like you've mentioned. So what yeah. do you choose? And given that, given how you train, what do you think is missing from most people's training methodology? Well, yeah, that is basically like my main philosophy is that you should be not choosing just one form of fitness, but combining multiple forms of fitness um, in order to make a more complete package. Because in my experience, and I don't know if it's the same in the US and it is changing 
which is nice. But if you go to a gym and say, you know, I want a new training program, it'll either be a powerlifting program you're given, like, oh, he wants to get stronger, so let's give him a powerlifting program. And there are people out there that think that literally can solve every ill. I think some people argue you don't even need cardio if you're doing powerlifting because if you're stronger, <laughs> you can do more reps, which, you know, I argue is not the same, but there you go. Yeah. Some people say, you know, or you'll be said, given a, a weight loss program, they'll just be like, run under a treadmill, and then you'll, you know, lose loads of weight, and then then you'll be fit in inverted commas in quotation marks, or they'll be given a cardio program. But those are like the three options that people tend to get given, or maybe bodybuilding. But I'd argue that being given any one of those things isn't a complete fitness solution in the same way that I've been using lately the analogy of a car. You wouldn't take your car into a garage and they'd be like, you'd be like, I just want to work on the wheels. Like, I want to have the best ever wheels. Like, And they're like, but, right, you right. know, your cam belt's broken. It's like, yeah, but I want the best ever wheels. Like, you know, like people can run. <laughs> And they can, they can, should be able to bend down and touch their toes and they should be able to like lift heavy stuff. And obviously one of the reasons people don't like this idea necessarily is because they want to be the best at something. Like for me, it's hard seeing like pro calisthenics athletes. Like we're talking about some people who can do incredible things. And if I just dedicated myself purely to that, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're most of them probably fantastic at running and lifting as well, but people want to become the best at something. So they're like, I'll dedicate myself to powerlifting or to this or that, and then call that fitness. But I would say that most, for most people, the aim shouldn't be to be the best at something in particular. It should be to be an all-rounder because as an all-rounder, you're using more of your capacity. You're ready for more different situations. You're less likely to injure yourself, et cetera. Like, you know, ignoring mobility completely is, is a big mistake. And it's something I've been incorporating more and more lately. Like it makes a bigger difference, I think, to more people than just getting stronger, which would be your go-to for a lot of people. If I'd say more people are very immobile than are very weak um, probably, mm-hmm. and that's going to cause more issues. So, yeah, combining all these things together into a complete package, I think, makes you a more well-rounded, you know, individual. And on my channel, I call it super functional training, which is a bit of a, right. a fun word that just came up with. But the idea behind that is that technically we are functional for our day-to-day lives because if you sit at a desk all day and you've got kyphosis, then that's kind of functional because it helps you reach the keys better. You know, right. like you adapt. Right to your environment and so if that's the thing you do then you become better but i'm saying our aim should be able to do to be more than just functional we should attempt to you know improve areas that we don't necessarily need to use right now but that would make us feel better and make us more capable to do more things in theory it's kind of it in a nutshell i like that a lot i like because I, I like how you described it because I, I like the word super functional too and you could have just left it at that but it's just like yeah the functional doesn't really cover it because you could be slouching and then that's functional for what you're doing and I, that's I it. when people are always complaining about being you know some, some people complain about being fat i'm like well it's a feature of your body because you've told your body that you want to sit down and watch netflix all day so it's giving you like yeah, exactly. you're, you're built for comfort you know so I like, most people I, actually I, have a lot of um super fast you know, um, fast twitch muscle fiber because sorry. fast twitch muscle fiber is uh, is energy uh, hungry. So if you actually are very lethargic, but you eat a lot, then you have more fast twitch muscle fiber than perhaps even a, a long distance athlete, which is interesting, isn't it, to, to think? Yeah, that, that, is, it, that is interesting. I'll bring it up because I supposedly have a gene because I got my uh, DNA tested by like 23andMe uh, or Ancestry. Have you done that before? Uh, I did self-decode. Um, self-decode. But yeah, same sort of thing. I haven't had that. I imagine. Yeah. And one of the things they tell you is whether or not you have the gene for extra uh, type two or extra type one. And uh, yes. I seem to have the one for extra type two. Now, yeah, like, me too. Going, 
Yeah, really? Going into depth, yeah. I think they mentioned that it's a variant that doesn't really matter for untrained individuals. So it doesn't mean like you're naturally going to be gifted. It's just like yeah. people who compete at the top seem to also have this variant. So that, that's interesting yeah. that he mentioned that. And what's also really interesting is that you can actually be, you can not only have a greater tendency towards fast or slow twitch, but you can also be more plastic in your ability to change. So some people are born extra slow twitch, but they can't really change it. Whereas other people are born... Uh, with um, extra slow twitch, but they also have a, a easier time changing it to fast twitch, which is also interesting because your muscle plasticity can vary as well based on loads of different factors. So, okay, okay so uh, Adam is going to school me a little bit on this. What exactly influences your ability to change, and how do you know if you have the ability to change from type one to type two? Unfortunately, I can't give you a concrete answer on that. It's more like a just you know, studies found some people respond a lot easier to you know, the, the kind of training that would transfer you then than others. And I say there's there's lots of different factors, um, including things like blood supply, all kinds of things. So I'm actually at the moment writing an article on what happens in the body when you build muscle, because I wanted to go like way more in depth on it than the kind of typical muscle tension, uh, mechanical tension, etc. cetera, uh, muscle damage, right. like right. going really in depth into like, you know, androgen receptors and gene transcription and things, which is turning into a bigger project than I thought. It's like 2,600 words currently. <laughs> so right. I have to turn it into a two-parter. <laughs> oh, I, I would love to read it. I would love to read it. Because I, so like the, this conversation is actually going a different way than I thought, which I love, <laughs> because these things that are in quotes, obvious things like how do you build muscle? You know, like what is the physiological process behind hypertrophy? You know, how do we get stronger? I find that it's not necessarily what people think. Yes, like the idea of like the empirical evidence is there. Like, yes, if you lift weights, you know, you use progressive resistance. You, over time, you get to heavier, heavier weights, harder and harder variations. You get stronger. But how exactly yeah. it works seems to be there's a lot of misconception out there. And even yeah, when you get up, something that where I can cite, not even a study, but like a physiological law, like heavy in theory. And they're like, well, I never heard of that before. I'm like, well, yeah, but you use it. You use it in the gym to get stronger. And they're like, oh, yeah. So I think that's great because a lot of questions that a lot of concepts we think are set in stone actually aren't. And things that we think we know, like anybody listening here, I don't want them to get too upset. But the idea that we have to break muscle down in order for it to grow, um, some studies haven't shown that. Some studies, In fact, a lot of studies haven't shown that to where it's like some studies have shown that muscle damage is actually not conducive to muscle growth. It, it's correlated. Clearly, yeah. but some of them have shown that that muscle damage actually has to heal separate before muscle growth can even begin, right? I, I can link them down below if people want to hear that. So like stuff like that is fascinating. I would love to hear your take on it in, in this article. But and yeah, so if you've got like mechanical tension and it's going to stimulate mechanoreceptors, which release various things, you've got metabolic buildup, obviously, which is, you know, going to like lactate can stimulate Leydig cells to make more testosterone, which then increases protein synthesis. So that's just two ways you can do it without muscle damage. But then there's like just so much else going on as well. Like I talk a lot on my channel about increasing blood supply to the muscle um, with like more like pump style training. And there's quite a lot of evidence to suggest that that can increase your uh, satellite cell count, which can increase your myonuclei, which means you have more protein synthesis going on. And and like a lot of this stuff as well, like a lot of it's like, well, this seems to work, but we don't essentially, we don't, don't fully understand why. Like, and there's, and there's like a, like, that's what the idea of this article is. It's like, there's so many different factors again, like maybe I'm biased, but what I read from a lot of it is that you could actually benefit a lot from combining methods. Like for instance, more fast twitch muscle fibers we're talking about is going to look bigger in theory because fast twitch muscle fiber is thicker than slow twitch fiber. So if you want to look bigger then you can increase your fast twitch fiber. 
So you might do plyometrics, but then plyometrics don't really cause muscle damage and don't stimulate hypertrophy that way, partly because they're too quick and there's no eccentric really in a, you know, something like a box jump other than the, than the landing. So that then means that you're not going to, you can't really, you don't see someone who gets massive legs just by jumping. And that's why. So in theory, if you were to jump and create more fast twitch muscle fiber and then perform more traditional eccentric training, you could in theory get bigger than if you hadn't done the explosive training in conjunction with that. And I'm not saying this is for everyone or, you know, I haven't gone deep enough into the science. I'm trying to explain anything. I'm just saying like, right, right. again, combining methods because we tend to look at things so black and white, you hear the sound bite, you know, mechanical tension, muscle damage, uh, metabolic stress. That's all you need to know. Go for it. You know, myofibrillar, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. But actually, there's a million other things going on, whether it's your DNA changing, whether it's your blood vessels changing, whether it's the fascia surrounding the muscle. And like a lot of this stuff, especially the fascia, like there's so much we don't know about it. It always pays to stay interested and like to keep reading and trying different things. And again, I think generally, it just makes logical sense that if you combine stuff, you tend to get the benefits of all of them. And you might not be a specialist, but you're going to have all these different benefits. And I think that can only be a good thing. That's a good point, because that was my next question uh, before we went on a little bit of a tangent, which I, I, <laughs> so I got carried away. That no, bit. no not, not you, but like you and I, we went on a tangent because I'm interested in some of this stuff, but I know not everyone is. This idea that is your thesis right now that I've heard so far of combining different parts, like like, let's say we're all going to a fitness college. You don't have to have a major only. In, I mean, you have a major in strength, a major in bodybuilding, but you're also learning yeah. other things. You're not only learning that one thing. Yeah. The question that people seem to have following that seems to be, well, how much is this going to take away? Like, you see a lot of uh, athletes, like basketball athletes, just to use an example, who are afraid yeah. that they're more flexible because they think it'll make them less explosive. In your opinion, in your experience... Does it really seem to take, what does one take away from the other, other than the time you spent on that or no? I think it depends on which things you're combining, uh, the way you combine them and your priorities. So we were talking earlier about knees over toes guy. And I think there's a fantastic right. example of someone who has flexibility and it seems to have improved his jump height like considerably. So him doing those, uh, the ATG split squat, he said, got him the uh, scissor splits but it also is responsible for a lot of his jump height. And I've read studies that say that getting deeper into a squat, for example, can help you to then jump higher, even though we often don't get that deep into the squat when we jump. So it might just not be only about how flexible are you, but also how much strength you have at the end range of that flexibility and how easily can you get down into it to leap back up from the counter movement where you drop down before you jump straight back up. But also you've got to think in, in, a, in running and jumping, you don't actually squat down at all you tend to more transfer the energy as jc santana explained because you're you're really just hitting one leg off the floor and bending it slightly and then leaping aren't you it's the force momentum that sends you upwards in that scenario but uh, to get back to your question so in those cases you might train your flexibility in such a way as to lose some of your explosiveness or you might be able to train it in such a way as to gain it in certain areas but i'd say that for the average person you probably will find, like you say, because of the time that you that you end up taking away from your main focus. And at the same time, you know, it's quite complicated to program these two things together. And they, especially when they do, like the biggest one is obviously a lot of people don't want to do cardio because they don't want to lose their gains, which does happen to an extent. You can't avoid the fact that cardio is going to lower blood sugar, make you uh, more catabolic, um, increase like myostatin and things like that and cortisol and burn lots of calories that you could be using for muscle building. But at the same time, it also does things that can support muscle building in the long run. So if you program it correctly, like increased blood flow, 
like improving your resting heart rate so that you can stay calmer and therefore more anabolic. But also for most people, you don't need to be the strongest guy in the world. It would probably be better for the majority of us to be stronger than like most people don't train at all. So if you work, if you lift weights, you're probably stronger than 98% of people. And if you run, you're probably got better cardio than 98% of people. And I'd rather be stronger and faster than 98% of people rather than stronger than 99.9% of people, but then like really slow or really out of breath easily. Or, you know, it doesn't, it's not like you run a bit and you instantly lose all your gains. Like most bodybuilders ran on the beach. Um, Arnie, there's videos of him running on the beach or they went power walking on the treadmill is another strategy. Like even they admit that you need some cardio because it's just not healthy otherwise. And if you want to function properly, this is what I don't understand. Why, why do people say like, you know, if you do some cardio, then you're not going to smash your PB on the bench press. It's like your PB on the bench press is always already 130 kilograms. Like that's really good, but you can't touch your toes or you can't like, shouldn't that now be your focus? And yeah, I get that a lot that some people want to focus on just one thing, but I think a lot of people also haven't considered that maybe adding weight isn't, isn't the only option or just going after that one skill isn't the only option that maybe they could prioritize. We, we tend to want to work on things that we're doing well at don't we but actually if we work on our weaknesses as well we could be a better all-rounder which could be better for our overall health the long answer is i think a lot of the times you can combine these things and they'll actually support each other but even if they don't for most people i'd say it's a worthy compromise i tend to agree and i think the benefit that you get from combining and making your training super functional in your own words i think is greater than a lot of people realize for example let's just take mobility and muscle and like the the two very, very common things. But for some people, you don't even really need that much range of motion or mobility at all in order to just build muscle. You you can gain a lot of muscle with relatively little mobility. Or less than average even. Right. Well, however, over time, um, if you never really use that trainer, you never train your tendons, you never use that full range of motion, okay, you're gonna be aching. You you might have muscle imbalance if you don't don't, uh, have a good program. And if you quit training, then your journey's over, right? If you quit training, then you no longer will make your personal best. You no longer will make new PRs, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you're doing something that's going to support your long-term goal, yes, like to use a car example, you're not necessarily driving, but you need to stop by and get an oil change every once in a while or your car's going to die, right? Then, then, yeah. then you would, then it feels like you're stopped, but you can go longer overall because you did that maintenance. Yeah, Not only yeah that, for sure. But with maintenance, you'll actually run better. You'll be able to do things better. As we've mentioned with uh, Ben Patrick, the knees over toes guy, he's gotten more explosive. He's gotten stronger. He's gotten faster yeah. from being more mobile. So, and you can build more muscle to, for your example, yeah. you can build more muscle with a greater range of motion. Like there's lots of evidence for that. Like um, weighted stretching in particular has been shown to be really good for hypertrophy. So like, yeah, if, you, if, they, if that bodybuilder took the time to build, work on his mobility, he might actually be able to squeeze out eventually a little bit extra size as well. And also just like, just to finish up the example, if you die, a more extreme example, your training is also over. So I, yes. I mean, the people don't want to focus on diet when they don't want to focus on rest. They don't want to focus on any part of their life other than the thing they're dead set focused on. You know, these are very sad, very sad. I'm not making fun of them, but if they die at 36, you died muscular, but that's that's about it. So, <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let's break it down a little bit. Let's say someone who is just the average gym goer, a lot of them aren't going to be watching this. What I've noticed, the general goal people have seems to be a mixture of gain some muscle, gain some strength, increase mobility, and probably I should have said earlier, lose weight. That, yes. That's like the, the four things, not like some of them prioritize one over the other, but it's usually like a combination of it. I want to lose some fat, 
you know, I want to get a little bit stronger. Uh, I want to get more muscular. I want to be a little bit more mobile, increase quality of life. What do you think they are missing in simple terms? Like if you're just talking to a friend you, know, you saw in a coffee shop and they were saying, like, hey, I mean, Adam, I'm having some trouble with this. What would you tell them to add? What, what, what do you think is the, like, the one or two things they should add or start exploring other than well, you things? Yeah, well, your example, I think, is is already quite good. Like, I think a lot of people wouldn't include mobility in there, for example. Like, a lot of people I know will go to the gym just to literally build muscle. So if they say they're trying to, you know, lose weight and build muscle and improve mobility, then I'd say, you know, well, that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, that's a good start because, say, a lot of people would only go and ask for a strength training program or would only go and run on a treadmill and they'd miss out on all that. I mean, I think a good starting point for a lot of people would be like, um, to focus a lot on core strength, which, you know, has been overdone an awful lot. Right. But it is also really true, like whether it's for right. preventing injuries or whether it's for athleticism, you know, it makes a huge difference if you can keep a, a rigid core. Like you'll know from um, from calisthenics, but also in athletics and everything else, like being able to keep your core rigid whilst you move your uh, limbs is like how you transfer power. And a lot of people have a very weak core because they're leaning forwards all day. And I think proprioception would be another really good thing to look at a little bit. So, you know, the awareness of the muscles and how to use them. Like if you ask a lot of people um, to, for example, tilt their pelvis, they won't know what you're talking about. Or if you ask them to hinge at the hips, they wouldn't know what you're talking about or maybe just not be able to do it. And that's a really good place to start as well, because like being more aware of how your body's moving can prevent a lot of injury. So those, those would be some really good ones to start with. Then there's lots of extra things you can look into if you want to as well but as a as a starting point is to pile on those would be good and brain training is something that i talk about an awful lot on my channel which is a massive area <laughs> like a little bit of meditation or something can go a long way let's start with those three things um because people listening to that i think they have some questions in your words how does one become more aware of their muscles how do we learn these new things like pelvic tilt and hinging at the hips like how would you go about doing that well that would come a lot from experimenting with movements and again that's where like calisthenics can, can be so useful in particular. Like I imagine a contingent of your audience already do calisthenics. But again, right. for a lot of people, you'll say, you know, do a, a planche and they'll be like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm not saying that everyone should just start doing a planche, <laughs> but, okay. you, but you you have a little go at a planche and you have to keep your arms straight and you need to um, pr protract your shoulder blades. Yeah. And these are, again, things that a lot of people don't know how to do. And, you know, scapular humeral rhythm, you know, the ability to move your shoulder blades with your shoulders naturally is something that can prevent a lot of shoulder pain in a lot of people. Also, obviously, planche training is fantastic for your core, again, as we were talking about. And, you know, you want to squeeze the glutes. When you learn a movement like that, it's almost like a whole, it's like a physical education in itself. Like if you want to learn it, you can't just brute force your way into it. As I learned, I used to do these like awful bent arm planches with my legs bananaing up in the air, which is kind of still what I do, but at least I know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I think for me, I've made the biggest progress with my planche training. I still can't planche, by the way. It's just it's just something that I I've integrated into my training as a as a fun tool to work on other things. But yeah, as soon as I became aware of really focusing on my elbows, because I would think I had my arms locked out and I didn't, so I wasn't really training my straight arm strength. I just thought I was, and I'd look back at the video and be like, my arm was bent. So then I'm right. like, as I became more aware of what that should feel like, and this is also something that can protect you in a deadlift, for instance, because you're strengthening the biceps tendon which uh, you can right. be injured in that kind of movement. So you don't have to want to be able to do the planche to get the benefits from a planche push-up, for example, or a pseudo planche push-up. So yeah, that like experimenting with different movements is a really great place to start. Just introducing more different movements into your training routine that perhaps you wouldn't normally do. If you're, if you're mainly doing isolation work and perhaps squats and things, then you could look into doing like Ben Patrick's uh, ATG split squat, or you could look into doing a little bit of... Um, you know, pseudo planches or 
you know anything else like dragon flag um and again you can do easier progressions of all, all these things like not everyone's gonna gonna go straight into a dragon flag but right. you know you could do some ab rollouts on your knees just right. yeah introduce more stuff basically and things that that you might not be fantastic at and you might feel like you're spinning your wheels no pun intended with the ab roller there right. but you <laughs> can uh, <laughs> you can see where your weaknesses dad, are you're, you are a dad so <laughs> i am yeah i'm allowed to do this i'm allowed to dad <laughs> dance and dad jake <laughs> Right, but not dad bod is on. Is on still in progress, right? Yes, not dad bod. Well, there is such not. thing as dad strength. They say which. Yeah, that's, that's that's right. there you, that you brought up some really good points because and very interesting things that I've been thinking about because things like planche, front lever, like we we think of these as skills, very aesthetic. You know, that certainly require a lot of strength and mobility and uh, other things to do. But they're also functional to us, even in the easier variations like a tuck planche or a tuck lever or something, because they require us to move our body in relatively specific ways compared to like, say, a deadlift or a squat, which like we can, there's a lot more wiggle room with that. Whereas with something like a planche or front lever where your arms are supposed to be locked out, you're like, okay, so I have to use other muscles that I'm not used to. And for example, with the front lever, I noticed that when I started training it, I was like, I'm going to learn this without issue. Like I have, <laughs> I have decent core strength. But what I found was like, I had this hypermobility that I had in my shoulder that I've had since I was a kid. And that would give out way before anything else would grip or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like I spent a good amount of time exercising. Um, but I, I never noticed that until I tried to only pull with my arms straight. I'm like, huh. Because I would always compensate. I would I would always compensate with my bicep a little bit. And like that would take over. And I'd be like, huh. Yeah. So then I started fixing that a little bit. And then with other exercises, little known exercises, like dumbbells or resistance bands for external rotations for your shoulders. Yeah. And you're like, huh, I'm actually extremely weak here. And yeah. doing that. So just to answer, supplement your fantastic answer to my question of what people are missing is trying new things. Yes, absolutely. And people who discourage you from trying new things, they, they often reference this studies, which are very legitimate, that muscle confusion theory is bogus. This is what they say. It's like, because yeah. our muscles, our muscle fibers are binary. They're either firing or they're not. Not our muscles, our muscle fibers. And that, that's true. They don't understand angles. They don't know if you're lifting a sack of rice or a barbell. That's true. But strength is at least some, it is skill specific. It's somewhat skill specific. So when you're trying all these things and you're moving these things, like the strength in your bicep is different than the strength in your forearms, all these things, we get to learn these different skills. And if you're talking about functionality, we do all these different things in real life. Outside the gym, are you asked deadlift this thing with a perfect bar using your exact form? I was just in my last video, I just talked about the uh, kettlebell, uh, the cross body kettlebell clean and press. Where you, you yeah. bend down and cross the body to pick the kettlebell up and then you clean it and you press it over your head. And that's a great one because as you say, you don't you don't deadlift things off the ground. You twist and bend. And right. this has you twisting and bending. And that's another two some other big areas uh, missing is is rotational um strength in the transverse plane and frontal plane. So in other words, move, twisting your body and moving side to side, not just up and down and forwards and backwards, which is the sagittal plane. 90% of exercises that most people do in the gym are just up and down, forwards and backwards. Very rarely do you twist your body, which is actually what you're doing all the time in real life. So yeah, super important. This is an interesting thing because even when I thought that I had great back strength and when my friends who have great back strength, they did lift like huge numbers. They hurt the back every once in a while, like lifting relatively little weight like 50 pounds here for 100 pounds there yeah yeah. You know? and it's never just front like hey deadlift it's all like hey 
I'm gonna reach over here. I'm gonna grab the ow, and then something like that. Like so, yes, it's like the rotational and like the unusual angles where you usually wouldn't pick something up. How would you yeah. train someone? Um, someone listening to this because I know they're very interested. How are you currently training, and how would you recommend someone train this rotational strength? Oh, so for rotational strength, there's a bunch of cool exercises uh, you can do. Band presses are very good. So band presses are more anti-rotation. So you're keeping your body core. If you do a band press on one side, that is. Same thing goes for one-armed push-up. Again, you're trying to you have to prevent your body from twisting, so you're bracing it to keep it rigid. Right. Whereas something like a med ball slam, like a shot put throw, you have to mm-hmm. twist the body into that. And you can also do like a cable punch out where you hold the cable or a band and you punch and twist your body like that. Those are really good. And there are a bunch of kettlebell movements and club bell. There's one called the Atlas swing where you swing it from side to side by twisting your body. And there you're not only twisting the core, but also the hips, which is again, where you generate a lot of power. If you're interested in martial arts for throwing a punch or throwing a ball in baseball, there's this thing called the serape effect, which is where you use a kind of sling of muscle across the body. It's a, a often used combination of muscles. And to what you were saying earlier about you know muscle confusion, that really only applies to hypertrophy. And, and like you're saying, you need to work not only the individual muscles, but also the movement patterns, the combinations of muscles, which may strengthen the fascia that might be one aspect of it but it's also cognitive because you're you're reinforcing those neural pathways and um, which does impact on the um, amount of motor units and muscle fibers that you can recruit when you exert the force and also the efficiency with which you recruit the correct muscles and relax the ones you're not using so as to not expend energy so yeah again all the, practicing these kind of movements doesn't only strengthen the muscle it also teaches you to make those movements in a very passive kind of manner and yeah, if you're the strongest deadlifter and squatter in the world, it won't necessarily help you to throw a punch. You know, same with a bench press even. Not only because you might be stiff, et cetera, and you haven't practiced that movement pattern, but also because yeah, just very basically you haven't moved in that transverse rotational plane. You haven't strengthened your obliques or, you know, the quadratus lumborum or the right. uh, rhomboids, et cetera. So you, you need to be twisting the body as well. So those are some movements you can use. I highly recommend getting a club bell or a kettlebell looking at things to like the Atlas swing and the crossbody um, clean press I just talked about. All really good stuff. I've experimented with kettlebells, but I haven't done like the Atlas swing or stuff. I, I, by the way, if I'm writing stuff, if I'm like jotting stuff down, I'm taking notes. I take notes cool. during a podcast. So like I, I'm going to write that down. I'll, I'll take a look at the Atlas swing and stuff because that's not something I have experimented with. Just watch out for like your TV if you do it indoors. Like it's, it's a big movement. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah i'll have to watch out no babies or or dogs yeah. or if you let go by accident it will probably go through your wall you're literally it's like a kettlebell swing but you're going from side to side and and as you do it looks cool as well like that's why i like a lot of this stuff i'll only do it around people i don't like so yes <laughs> yeah. i'll get a wide berth in the gym for sure yeah, get, get a wide berth in the gym. okay so let's uh let's kind of shift gears and because there's something that we've touched upon we're unconventional training range of motion and even blood flow blood flow and relating to hypertrophy is isometrics and something we talked yes. about a little bit before we started recording this is something that i've really been interested in for the past several months but i'm experimenting on my own body before i start talking about it more I've already talked about it a little bit. Uh, you have experience in experimenting with isometrics and making videos about them, specifically overcoming isometrics and how Bruce Lee used it. How are you currently using it? What's your opinion on isometrics and how people can incorporate it? So at the moment, I personally am using isometrics as part of my warm-up as a kind of um, to help activate the muscles for the workout to follow. Um, but I also just do it. I do also another part of my training philosophy. I like to train throughout the day, uh, be moving like you know, not go for long stints without doing anything. So I'll often just pick up something and try and squeeze it or whatever. But the basic idea behind an overcoming isometric is that you're basically 
pushing or pulling against an immovable force. So as opposed to a yielding isometric, which you might be familiar with, where you might be, say, holding a position until you give out and drop down because you've got no force left. With an overcoming, it might be like trying to push down a wall or bend an iron bar or pull a rope apart. So it won't it won't move. It's like loading up a bench press with 250 kilograms and then just trying to press it with all your might. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you tend to hold this for about six to 10 seconds. And there are variations. You can do ballistic ones where you sort of explode your force into it kind of thing. But the idea behind this is that it's not about um, creating muscle tear or any of those things that we were talking about earlier, um, metabolic stress. It's about the neural drive. So as I just said earlier, it's about neural pathways. So yeah, your muscles made up of uh, muscle fibers, which are grouped together as motor units, which are innervated or triggered by nerves that travel from your brain. So basically in your motor cortex, which is the part of your brain that, that controls movement, you have neurons and they correspond with these nerves that trigger the motor units and the muscle fibers. And then according to Henneman's size principle, you always start with the smallest number of motor units that you need. So you'll, if you're picking up a spoon, you'll only use a few really weak ones. If you're lifting a really heavy barbell, you'll use a ton of really massive motor units full of fast twitch muscle fiber, but you'll still be also using those weak ones. So kind of, it's a a compounding effect. But the strength of that signal, so you don't need the heavy barbell. If you just try and forcefully move your arms quickly and exert power, you're still going to be recruiting more to create that speed. You know, force is force as far as your nervous system is concerned. So your ability to send that signal, because you can never recruit all of your motor units at once, you only tap into a small percentage of the strength that's in any given muscle. Mm -hmm. So the stronger you can make that signal, the stronger you become, basically. And that's without actually building any additional muscle. It's just your ability to call upon that muscle to exert force. And when you do an overcoming isometric, it's essentially like practicing a one rep maximum. But whereas a one rep maximum might last for, you know, one second and also you'll only actually be exerting maximum force for a brief period within that because of the strength curve because of momentum because of angles etc with an overcoming isometric you're exerting maximum force for the full six to ten seconds which basically trains your body it's like saying hey i need more power than i've got and over time you learn to tap into more of that power and that's the idea behind it and yeah it's something that bruce lee experimented with and a lot of old time strong men and you know also modern strong men you know that's how they build the strength to bend pans and things like that so it's just another really cool different thing not something i think that the average joe necessarily needs but if you're interested in like tapping into something extra and just experimenting with something cool then then there it is yeah absolutely and i think it's fascinating that yeah i think you're right not everyone needs it but not everyone like not everyone needs to train period yeah yeah 100 (laughs) percent. like some people are just not interested in going to the gym at all but yeah like the variety with which we can use isometrics because everyone if you've trained at all every everyone in here has used some form of isometrics in the training even push-ups your body is kept rigidly it's kept rigid yes yeah, yeah. so like yeah, that'll be a yielding your everyday strength uh yeah yielding isometric but let's say something like a deadlift it's like a lot of people consider the end-all be-all for like back strength your back is held <laughs> isometrically it's, it's held up yeah, yeah. it's not moving so we're still using that and I think if anybody just wants to incorporate it, I would incorporate it. If you're not interested in really getting into it, I would try it at the beginning of your workout routine. Um, it just um, You can try at the end too, but just like, this is my recommendation. At the beginning, I would do a few overcoming isometric sets. It takes like a couple of minutes, even a minute, you know, just to do yeah. like five sets of like six, six, 10 second holds, just hold those and be done. And then like over time, you will see your strength increase. Let's say you're doing bench press days. 
and your your bench and your regular benches, let's say like um well you use in kilograms, I'll use pounds because we're, we're yeah. Americans make everything <laughs> weird. Okay, let's say you're, you're benching 225, uh, and that's your your usual stuff, and your one rep max is around 250. Try putting 265 or something uh, on the bench press. Let's do this before your set and try to lift that. It won't budge. It won't budge. And then just keep doing that over a few weeks. And then eventually you'll notice, oh, it's budging a little bit. And then when, you, when it goes up, then you, then you put on more, it's like, you can't let yourself get too encouraged. You got you to put on more weight. Then, then it stops budging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then over time, you'll see yourself increase. Do that at your weak point. This is what I would say to people. Yes. Do that at, yeah. your, at your weak point. Because you think think about your one rep max in any, anything. Let's say bicep curl. Your one rep max, that's limited by your sticking point. Okay. So like yeah. your one rep max, like let's say it's, I don't know, 50 pounds. Okay, 50 pounds. That's what you can hold in your probably midpoint is usually what people get stuck on the bicep curl. Midpoint, sometimes it, it varies, but midpoint, you might be able to do 70 pounds in your bottom range. You might, be, you might be able to do like 60 pounds in your upper range, but 50 pounds is your one rep max because that's your sticking point. So work your sticking point, and if that goes up, because we're like, isometrics is at least somewhat joint angle specific it seems like there is some about 30 percent they they, right. they tend to say so like 50 percent right. above and 15 percent below that degrees right yeah or, and i'm sure that's yeah yeah but i'm sure that's not set in stone but it's roughly that yeah yeah it's roughly that I, and i mean people argue it in my experience yeah it's around that range there's a train i, I apologize if it's loud for everyone it seems to be around that some people have argued against it not being specific at all i don't think it's the case at least for me, because I this is something I've experimented with myself on, because I want to be able to ex- speak when I start speaking more about it uh, with both the scientific literature and my own experience, because I think it's just different when you, you've experienced it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is at least somewhat joint angle specific. However, the thing that people don't they don't mention is that the 20 degrees, 30 degrees is most significant, but there are benefits throughout the whole range of motion. And, and like if you if you look into the studies. There are there's some advantages to the whole range of motion, but it's like a diminishing return thing. It's just like yeah. it's like it kind of goes down as you get further away from the angle. But then again, train different angles, train different angles. It's like so if someone wants an interesting thing, is I've started training isometric pull-ups at the midpoint, which was my sticking point. It's actually a little <laughs> bit higher than the midpoint for me, but I started training at the midpoint, and I was much stronger at the bottom point. And I was like, well, I just want to see what happens. So I did that for about four or six weeks and I increased my strength in midpoint. I I trained my bottom and it it had got stronger, but not that much stronger. So now it's almost like my midpoint is only slightly weaker than my my bottom point, which used to be much, much stronger. So I'd put on the weight that I would do with the weight I'd pull up. And I'd pull up, I'm like, well, it's like, this is a waste of time. I I, I don't, because I still feel heavy. I'm like, this is not gonna help. Functionally, what seemed to happen was what I thought I wouldn't be able to pull up, I was able be, because as I was going past, and I went past that sticking point, I'm like, oh, it, I did, it didn't stick like it used to, and I went through it. So at the yeah. bottom, I, I didn't really feel like I was stronger. I'm like, okay, this, we're not really doing anything special today. Uh, but we did, we, we went through it, we went through it. So it's interesting how isometrics works. Um, definitely something that needs to be more researched, and I think something that people can use more in their training. Yeah, there's definitely a place for it. Um, what I find quite interesting is if you try and push against something as hard as you can for a certain amount of time, maybe after three seconds, you won't be pushing as hard as you were when you started. But then if you sort of remind yourself to go extra hard, you can often tap into this extra bit of strength and you think like, well, that's sort of cheating, but, but it's not. That's the same, that is you, that definitely. is the neural drive. 
that you're missing in a lift that could help you to you know get past that PR because you're you just need to be like a candidate and and drive that extra. I remember once my um, the way I get into training was my my step granddad sort of started me doing these crazy martial arts inspired workouts. He'd give me all these challenges, and one was he'd put a stick behind my head, which you know someone would argue is not very good for your neck, but he'd try and get me to do <laughs> sit ups. So I was isolated, you know, I couldn't use any momentum like that. Right, right. And I would sort of sit there and try and sit up, and I couldn't. And then I was like, wait, if I go fast, then I can do it. And I showed him and I was like, haha, but I was cheating. I was just going fast. And he was like, well, that, that's not cheating. That's that's just your explosive strength that you've developed from trying. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So it's, it's you know, we think <laughs> that is, like it doesn't matter whether you think you're going fast or whether you think you're going strong. Like I was just sending the right signal now to get through that movement, you see. And that was a form of overcoming isometric because I couldn't do it to begin with. And I tried and tried. <laughs> and I mean, for people who are still on the fence about this, you you develop it fast. Like a lot faster yeah. than you would, than you would think just from like regular dynamic lifting. We seem to learn it really fast. Like, um, it's, if initially when you try a new angle or a new exercise, if you can record your numbers, your numbers go up extremely quickly, like 20, 40 pounds in a week sometimes for me. I mean, like this is, I, I was, I already trained, but this is like, these are new things that I'm trying. Um, it's learning to, to use what's already there, which is why, it, you know, it can right. be can be fast i like to think of it as upgrading your software so you're yeah hard. yeah but you, you have better you have better software there I've, I've seen some of your videos before where you talked about uh bruce lee using isometrics and you're familiar with like the bar and chain device he's mm -hmm. used right like the you know the one i'm talking about where it's yeah, bar attached to a chain. attaches it to the ground yeah attached it another ground have you built one of those yeah i i, I tied a, a rope around a stick and I stood on the other end. <laughs> right. Does the same thing. <laughs> it's cool, isn't it? I don't remember this, but did you attach a spring to it? No, I, I, I didn't. No, I've, I mean I've okay. used a bulwarker, which is um, yeah, similar. yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, so it's a similar principle. I'm not affiliated with this company, but there's a company that we talked about before this called Dragon Door, who came out with a product called the Isochain. So yeah, it, it records like your output. So if you're bicycle curling, it tells you how much you're doing it, and it's for training isometrics. But something that that most people can do is they can attach a spring or something that gives to their bar and chain device or any kind of isometric device. Now, how Dragon Door explained it was this activates the loading reflex and reduces cortical inhibition. So basically, the idea is that our body knows when we're not when there's not actual load. Like we're pushing against a brick wall, it knows the brick wall isn't pushing back. So our force output is limited. That's how they explained it. I wouldn't be prepared to argue that because I, I haven't found like the backing up resources for that. They yeah. can probably argue argue it. I mean, it, it makes sense. I can feel it. Uh, and when you attach a spring to it, it, just, it feels a lot more like a real weight. So that's something I've been experimenting with for the past, oh, two or three months, uh, really. Uh, yeah, several I'd really love to have a go with it. That's, yeah, yeah. It's something I've, I've looked into. And um, yes, cool. I, and you, I, I, you rate I it, you, like you, you enjoy it. I, I think you would like, I have one. I have an isochain. Um, I've made an unsponsored review about it. And I like it. I like it. I, I think it's something, if at all possible, I don't know if they shipped you the... UK. There was some issue where they were shipping to the UK, oh, um, but they. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> it's something. I've got this great I, thing. You can't get one though, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say. I shouldn't even say that because I don't know. But it's something I would think you would look into. And if not, if nothing else, try attaching a spring to your your device. I think it, I think it'd be really cool. It, it's yeah, actually so a lot better that you used a rope because mine's been off chain, and my wife hates it. Okay, <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> right uh and if i use a rope and it's real soft so i was like yeah the, uh, my iso change is gonna be an iso rope in a few days because i'm i'm changing it so it doesn't wake her up i have this good piece of 
old desk that I use. I get so many comments saying, where did you get that thing? It's this yeah. like bent piece of metal and it has a little bit of give in it. So I, I do get yeah, that nice cool. feedback, but I can't, I can't break it. And I've been trying for years and a lot of people say, <laughs> one of these days you're going to break it, but I haven't yet. Um, I mean, it's only really good for a limited number of movements because of the shape, but that just came from a, from a desk. Like I just use this piece of metal and I keep it, it's permanently in my outdoor gym and I just grab it and gosh, try and push it. <laughs> I have a, a friend of mine who's like, he's really into isometrics and the isochain, but just isometrics in, in general. He's a personal trainer. He's in, in here before, and he's a fan of yours. He's been trying to get in contact with you, actually. Which, uh, oh, but well, it, apologies. <laughs> I will say this, just like for Adam and for me, if you ever try to contact us, I can't speak for Adam, but I, if I didn't answer, it's probably not because I hate you or ignored you. I probably just didn't see it. Uh, no, I, if it, I don't answer. I, I hate you. <laughs> not really <laughs> I, I i would love to answer everyone and i feel awful that i can't but yeah right. same as you probably same thing lots so, of messages in the inbox but he had a question for you if you don't mind where he yeah, wants i think he thinks that isometrics and the iso chain will be big enough that you know it's going to influence people to use isometrics more he thinks it's really isometrics is really missing in the mainstream of fitness training especially given what how it could benefit a lot of people. I, I agree with that. Um, he wanted to ask you, where do you see isometrics in a few years? Do you think um, it become more popular? What do you think? I think it is highly likely to become more popular. I think actually, like, I've noticed more and more people talking about mixing modalities and, and experimenting with different things. And, and it is a, a different thing. But yeah, it's something that's got like real measurable benefits. So I, I can see. And, you know, it's a perpetuating thing, isn't it? You know, a few people show interest, so they make a product like the ISO chain then that introduces more people to it. So they make more products and it, and it takes off. Also, overcoming isometrics can be used for a, a range of different things. Um, Daniel from Fitness FAQs was telling me about how he uses it to increase his mobility by, um, you know, he'll, he'll go at the end range and he'll use, do an overcoming isometric there. Then he'll step away and then he'll have greater mobility because he's recruiting the muscles to overcome the antagonistic muscles, which is, and also overcoming isometrics also, <laughs> they trigger relaxation in the antagonistic muscles, which is, also awesome so if, if you're like say doing a leg extension against a weight you can't move you'll actually like relax the antagonistic muscles to increase mobility slightly and exert more power so again it's about the neural drive it's about not only being able to you know recruit strength in the right muscles it's also be being able to relax the muscles that you aren't using which old-time strongmen like maxic say is like one of the keys to i mean he was a marketer but you know a lot of people, a lot of those guys back then said this is one of the secrets to muscle control and an ultimate strength etc which i wouldn't get that far but it's certainly a, an added bonus this is a great way to improve your mind muscle connection which we we're talking about earlier in the proprioception because you're sort of exploring the limits of what you can do and tension and relaxation which is great so yeah i can see more people using it in the future um but for a range of different things that's a great point i, I mean that's something i've noticed where i was using um I, even before i had the iso chain i was doing isometrics and i noticed it's increasing my mobility. I'm like, huh, you know, it's like, I, I would think that. And that power in relaxation is very real. I've noticed it in, cause my father taught uh, Tai Chi. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know there's some controversy about being a martial art. Even if you don't think it's a martial art, um, if, or, if like, you don't think it's like applicable as a solo martial art, it has a lot of applications, I think, for athletes and martial artists. And one of the things I learned from it is the power of relaxation. Because there was an exercise we used to do where we would both stand facing each other. And we, I just take it, like, if you're standing in front of me, I just take your arm and I try to push you over. I'm like, well, try to resist this. And most people, they resist it by tensing up. And then it's just like I'm pushing over, like, 
you know, like a 150 pound statue, 200 pound yeah. statue, yeah. which isn't that hard. Like a, a little strain that you, you pull forward. But I try the same thing on my dog. <laughs> no, that's not how it's like. I, I just like I, I gently push. And... <laughs> push you over, man. <laughs> and, Quit staring at me, dog. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, uh, he was pretty confused. But um, <laughs> like, you know, it was hard to push him over. And yes, he has a lower center of gravity. But there's this relaxation response I think they have to where they align their muscles a little bit better. This is something they use in Tai Chi push hands for people who are yes. interested in that. Yeah, where... alignment and relaxation are, are massively connected. Right. Because you can't just like, if the secret is strength, we're just tensing up all your muscles. I mean, we would all yeah. have that. We would all you know, like it's all the time. It's relaxing the right ones and tensing the right, and tensing the other ones. And yeah. when you create that force, when you feel that and you relax one side, you relax, you stop working against yourself, essentially. And then you actually become stronger and you become more resistant to force. Because when that person does resist the right muscles or d- does relax the right muscles and you push them from the side, it's like trying to push down a tree. It's different. It's, it's like, it, yeah. it's like, they bend a little bit, but it's like it's like a, you're trying to push down a spring. Yeah. It's a lot harder than pushing down yeah. a rock. And that's something. And for things like for things like balance, when you have all these natural reflexes that are designed to keep you in alignment, but to listen to those and to utilize them, you need to be relaxed. Whereas most of us, if we start falling, we tense up. That's when it's game over because you don't have those reflexes anymore, and you're actually working against yourself, and you're going to fall over. Whereas if you're loose, you can realign yourself you know, much more easily and quickly. So yeah, there's a lot of benefit to being relaxed. And obviously in, in martial art, other martial arts and things, delivering a very fast punch is all about relaxation and power. It's about, there's a double pulse where there's mm-hmm. a contraction, then a relaxation, then a contraction on the impact. And kettlebells, again, are actually something that can train you this, like um, hard style kettlebell training. The kettlebell swing is all about contracting suddenly to launch the weight in the air and then you relax all the way through until you go again. So that's something that uh, Pavel Satsulin talks about is... How you can use that that style of training to understand how to be how to contract when you need to and how to relax when you need to as well. That's a great place, I think, for us to end because I, I know uh, Adam is busy and he has uh, a new family life, so it's like uh, yeah, I'll start a baby to put up. to bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I could have talked a lot longer. Um, no, so I, sorry, I have to. Well, I, I'm trying to respect your time because honestly, like as people who have uh, done podcasts with me know, uh, we can go for a long time because I'm a chatty guy <laughs> when I when I talk about something that I like. Especially with Daniel, like our second podcast, we talked for thirty minutes before we hit record. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. so, well, I, I was like, well, it was like, well, we we had stuff that we wanted to share, and it was really interesting. Is there anything you want to share with everyone before we wrap up? I'm afraid not, not, not hugely. Yeah, come and check out the channel if you're interested. Um, yeah, please Bioneer check out and- check out the Bioneers channel. I highly recommend it. If you like my vibe you probably like Adams. Our videos are very different in a sense that he's a lot more professional than I am, to be honest. You know, and then his videos look a lot nicer. I think it's like it's stuff is like scripted. Very, he's very well spoken. Whereas sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say until I hit record. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to say. So that's- you're, you're casual and natural. And I'm like overproduced because I watch too many action films. <laughs> Basically, yeah. well, I love the action film thing. I, I was I was watching it with my wife earlier. It was nice. I was like, well, it's like I'm watching a trailer too. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like 100 edits a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you like loud music in your face and me jumping off things, then you, then you right. like my channel. <laughs> well, but it's, a, it's also a very welcoming vibe. Like despite all of that, it's like it's very welcoming. Like you're not trying to shove anything down anyone's throat so like okay, a that's, lot of, that's my aim yeah a, a lot of my viewers that's what turns them away from fitness not because they don't want to be fit but because they don't want to get yelled at you know i, I, I want to mention some people love being yelled at you know some people yeah. love, they love being called a little wimp and that inspires them okay <laughs> and which is fine it's like there's nothing against that nothing against that 
but a lot of my viewers don't like that. A lot of people don't yeah. like that. So that's kind of how yeah, I know I'm with you. I'm like, I'm not a wimp. I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going I was home. never offended by that. But in gym, my, my coach would yell at everyone. So he, he would yell at everyone. I eventually told him, I was like, I'm already working as hard as I can. I don't, you can yell at me if you want. Like, it, it yeah. doesn't bother me. But I, I'm worried about you. It's like, I, I don't want you to, <laughs> I don't want you to go horse. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, stay yelling for someone else because I'm already working. It doesn't <laughs> discourage me or encourage me. So yeah. that's why I told him inside. I don't know what he thought of that. But yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, th I think it can be very like alpha, you know, YouTube fitness. And I um, guess I'm not that alpha. So yeah, hopefully. But yeah, hopefully that makes it more welcoming. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, people can find you as the Bioneer, just about everywhere on social media. Uh, and you that's have correct. a few books, Super Functional yes. Training. Where can they find that? That's an ebook that you can get from my website. Although I would just say maybe wait a week or two before you do that, or depending on when this goes live. Or um, <laughs> right. it, it, uh, by next week, there should be something more interesting in, in, in the place of that, but I haven't officially announced it yet. Uh, cool. And I have a physical book, Functional Training and Beyond, on Amazon, and you can ask for it in bookshops. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for being here.